The one we're going to look at today, I believe, is at the top of the list of strongholds that destroys people. The stronghold we're going to consider today is a stronghold of a critical spirit. Now, what is a critical spirit? Let me try to describe it. I can't really define it, so I'll describe it instead. A critical spirit always regards people and circumstances from a negative point of view. Always from a negative point of view. A critical spirit is impatient, irritable, unforgiving, unbending, and ungrateful towards other people. And a critical spirit treats others in a way that is characterized with anger, hypocrisy, arrogance, conceit, and rejection. Now, I know I'm going too fast for you to write all that down. That's why it's on the web. You can listen to it and you can hit pause in all you want to get all that down. The work of a critical spirit. What does a critical spirit do? Well, number one, it creates a negative, sour, judgmental, and repressive atmosphere. Whether it be in the home, the work, wherever, the church. The work of a critical spirit is pointing out the weaknesses, the idiosyncrasies, the inconsistencies of others with a view of tearing them down instead of building them up. Critical spirit criticizes family, friends, co-workers, members of the church family without bringing solutions, encouragement, or positive motivation. I've seen a critical spirit quench vision, creativity, unity, teamwork, especially within the church. A critical spirit reinforces patterns of impatience, intolerance, rigidity. And a critical spirit demoralizes people and creates the platform for rejection. Take your Bibles. Let's go to Job, shall we? Chapter 16. I think we have a good example of a critical spirit in action in Job 16, beginning in verse 2. Job is the one who's doing the talking here. He says, I have heard all this before. What miserable comforters you are. Won't you ever stop your flow of foolish words? What have I said that makes you speak so endlessly? I could say the same things if you were in my place. I could spout off my criticisms against you and shake my head at you. But that's not what I would do. I would speak in a way that helps you. I would try to take away your grief. Job's friends were critical. They had a critical spirit. 
And Job makes a very clear distinction between their words and the way he would speak. And he says their words are harmful words. What Job would speak would be helpful words. And so we have a distinction for us to be able to evaluate our words here, don't we? Are our words harmful or are our words helpful? Their words were judgmental. Go back and read what they said. You know, basically it came to this. Job, you're getting what you're getting because you've been bad and you deserve God's punishment. That was their critical spirit. Their words were rejection. Their words were words of rigidity. They were not harmful. Excuse me, they were harmful. They were not helpful. So let's do our list this morning, shall we? Lies of Satan in regards to a critical spirit. Lies of Satan in a stronghold of a critical spirit. These are things that Satan wants us to get to believe. And again, the list will be made available to you after the service. Number one lie of Satan with a critical spirit. It is okay to be impatient with others' weaknesses. It's okay to be impatient with others' weaknesses. Number two. You need to be hard on your children and or spouse. Number three, it's better to be rigid and unyielding than flexible and considerate. It is not a sin to be intolerant of people who are not like you. People who don't live up to your standards, need to be corrected. You should feel and or demonstrate anger when your expectations are not met. It's normal to carry grudges and harbor resentments when you're wrong. You must retaliate against people who have offended you or with whom you disagree. There's nothing wrong with using cutting words when you talk to people or talk behind the backs of people. Here, look at this one. You need to draw attention to the shortcomings of others. It is more spiritual to think less of others whose standards differ from yours on issues of Christian liberty. Our last lie of Satan this morning, resist change. Don't accept those whose theological views and worship styles of ministry or practice are different from yours. Now, remember the four R's we talked about? I don't think I mentioned it last week. We're going to remind ourselves of them. Number one, recognize them as lies. 
two, take responsibility, call them for what they are. They are sin. They're not just weaknesses. They're not just failings. They're just not personality quirks. Call them what they are, sin. Three, repent, change your mind, change your direction. And afterwards, I'm going to give you a really cool idea. Worked for me for 35 years. Okay? And number four, renewal. Allow God to change you from the inside out. Well, those were some of the lies, and believe me, that's not an exhaustive list of lies. That's just a few that that I came up with. Let's look at the truth. That's what we want to really look at this morning, isn't it? We want to look at the truth that's contrary to the lie. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Proverbs 17, 9. Here we read, He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. The uh, New Living Translation of the same verse says, Disregarding other people's faults preserves love. Telling about them separates close friends. I'm going to tell you a secret this morning. Okay? Promise not to tell anybody. Just just between us. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody. Does that include you? Yeah. Does that include me? Yeah. We all have weaknesses. What great fodder that is for other people's gossip. We can talk about them in a critical manner. We can all find the weaknesses and faults of other people, and we can all talk about them. Or we can choose to cover them over. Now, It's not a sin to cover them in the sense we're just talking about of not repeating them. Not going around and telling other people about people's weaknesses. I know of a church, it's the truth, where when a visitor walked through the door, an individual in that church would walk up to them and tell them about the weaknesses of the pastor. And then the church wondered why it wasn't growing. Used car salesmen don't do that. Realtors don't do that. Why do we do that? Go over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, 3. When I understood the spirit of of being critical, this passage all of a sudden just came to life for me. It just blossomed. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 3. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, let me get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! 
first get rid of the log in your own eye, then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with a speck in your friend's eye. I think I understand this verse a little better now. What is the speck in somebody else's eye? The speck in somebody else's eye is, is, is a weakness. It's a fault. It's a failing, right? What's the log in our own eye? The log in our own eye is a critical spirit. It's a stronghold of Satan. And and we need to spend our energy and effort in removing the stronghold of Satan, not the flaw or weakness in somebody else. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Notice what it calls the person with a critical spirit. It calls them a hypocrite. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. A hypocrite. They are hypocritical because they're running down someone else with a fault while they have a greater fault that they choose to ignore, that of a critical spirit. You know, when when people accuse the church of being full of hypocrites, I think it's because they see this problem in a lot of Christians. They see the church with a lot of people in it that are ignoring the greater problem within them and are trying to nitpick little problems and weaknesses of other people. I think more than anything else, I think it's a critical spirit amongst Christians that turns off the unsaved and causes them to say, I really don't want to have anything to do with the church. Go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Paul's giving this admonition here to the believers in the church there at Rome. Romans 14.10 So why do you condemn another Christian? Why do you look down on another Christian? Remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say... As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. So don't condemn each other anymore. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not put an obstacle in another Christian's path. The idea of condemning is the idea of of criticism with it. I do not believe there is anything, any such thing as positive criticism. Criticism is not positive. Criticism focuses on the problem. 
That doesn't help. We need to focus on the solutions, not the problem. And he's talking about Christians interacting with other Christians, and they're they're being critical of what other people do or don't do. And God says very clearly, very specifically, we have no reason to, to hedge on this in any way. We are not to judge other believers. It's a command of God. Want to put it in Old Testament language? Thou shalt not condemn other believers. When we judge others, we're elevating ourselves to the role of God because God is the only judge. Can you think of anything more blasphemous than for a person to say, I am God? When we judge other people, that's what we're saying. I am taking on the responsibility that belongs to God, therefore I must be God. As a human being, my job description does not include judging other people. Quite the opposite. My job description forbids it. Now that doesn't mean we can't evaluate and say that what they're doing is wrong. We have a standard but we're not to judge, because the word judge has the idea of condemning people. We do not condemn people. Only God condemns people. We can condemn actions, but we cannot condemn people. We're not to look down on other believers. In fact, quite the opposite. Over in Romans chapter 15, verse 1. Instead of condemning, instead of judging, it says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. You know, there's a reason why we're critical. And the reason is this. It pleases us. It makes us feel better when we criticize other people. He's focusing on the failings of others frees me from having to focus on my own failings. So as long as I can focus on your faults and your failings, I don't have to look inside of me. And it doesn't matter if it's my neighbor. It doesn't matter if it's my my co-worker. It doesn't matter if it's a family member or a, a member of the church, the body of Christ. When we're focusing on the failings of others, it frees us from looking at our own failings. I get a lot of Christian periodicals. Most of them are electronic now. They used to be paper in the olden days. And you know, there are some organizations I know that when they send out their publication to me, the first and most important article is going to be, what is wrong with insert a name, or insert an organization. And they're always looking at the faults and the failings of others, and there's so much wrong within their own organization, because I know some of these organizations very intimately that do this. Critical people can't face their own weaknesses, so they focus on the weaknesses of others. 
Notice in this passage here, it says we are to bear with the failings of the weak. The word bear here means to carry or to take up upon your own back. See, it's easier to criticize others' weaknesses than to come alongside of them and to help them through their struggles and their weaknesses. But we're actually supposed to take their weaknesses upon our own back and carry them. It's, it's easier to give so-called constructive criticism than to give positive motivation and encouragement. And again, no criticism is constructive. Go to Galatians chapter 6. What else are we supposed to do? Here we have the situation where a, a believer has fallen into sin. The, the, you know, there, there's something that is very specifically sinful going on in their life. What are we to do? Gather together and say, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? You know, oh yeah, he fell into sin. You know, just spread it around a little. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, notice the condition there, should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Our description, our job description here as believers is to restore those who have sinned. Not criticize them, not make them a subject of gossip and backbiting. We are to restore them. And we are to restore them gently. There's nothing gentle about criticism. I know I've had sweet little old ladies come up to me, say, Pastor Cal, you know, I love you and I just want to share. Your sermon sucked. You know. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> nothing gentle about a critical spirit. We're to carry each other's burdens. Criticism doesn't carry a burden. It adds to the burden. It adds guilt. It adds anger. It adds resentment. Notice in here it says, watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Tempted to what? Do the same sin? No, I don't think it's talking about that. Being tempted tempted to having a critical spirit towards them. The log in the eye. Okay. So when you see someone sin, you know, if you're spiritual, now that, that needs a little introspection. You need to look inside and say, how's my relationship with God? Is it just my flesh that's all upset and angry and, and wants to, to get even? I'm so glad they fell because I'm, you know, I'm, you know, now, gentle, those who are spiritual, be careful that you're not tempted to criticize. Carry each other's burdens. 
You will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, the law of Christ is also referred to in Scripture as the law of love. And loving others does not result in a critical spirit. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Forgive a grievance. Now what's a grievance? Grievances are the little things that people do that tick us off. Okay? The, the, the way people irritate us. It, it's the faults and the failings and the weaknesses of others that kind of gets under our skin. And it says here that we are to bear with each other. It doesn't say we're supposed to try to correct them. That's not our job. We, we don't spread these things around as coffee table gossip. Instead, it says we put on love that binds all things together. Love does not criticize. A spirit of criticism does not unify people together. And it says here, over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I've never seen a spirit of criticism that brought unity to any group, any organization whatsoever. It separates them. Stronghold of a critical spirit robs us of the fruit of the spirit, of love in our life. Now remember, all of Satan's lies, when we believe them, will rob us of something that God wants us to have. And, and criticism robs us of the love of God, but it also robs us of the unity of God. Go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Beginning in verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will not be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Rather than be judgmental, we are to be merciful. Being critical is being judgmental. Being merciful means being full of mercy, and that means helping people, not hurting people. Who is our supreme example? Of being merciful? God himself. Go to Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Luke 6, 36. Be merciful just as your Father 
is merciful. That, that verse kind of ring a bell? Have you heard a verse that said something similar to that? Be ye holy as God is holy. Remember that verse? We know we're to be holy as God is holy. This one says we're to be full of mercy just as God is full of mercy. We cannot have a critical spirit and be full of mercy because a critical spirit is sin. One more verse, Philippians 4, 8. I love this passage. This has been my go-to passage so many times, both in dealing with issues in my life and in, in, and in trying to help other people in issues in their life. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, it's a good verse to end the sermon on, isn't it? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I want us just to focus on the one phrase here. Whatever things are of a good report. We are to only give good reports. My grandmother put it this way. If you can't say anything nice, what? Don't say anything at all. Yeah. Good Bible. All right. 35 years ago, told you I was going to tell you this story. 35 years ago, I was teaching a ladies' Bible class. And we happened to be on this particular verse of Scripture, Philippians 4, chapter 8. And and I was kind of teaching down through it, and I said, okay, we are only to give good reports. Well, one lady said, I have an idea. I said, okay. She says, let's start a good report club. All right. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what's a good report club. Okay. Well, number one, everybody who belongs to the club has got to take a pledge. And the pledge is this. I will only give a good report about anybody. I will never give an evil report. And then we will get together and we will talk about how we're doing. Okay? And we'll talk about how we failed and when we failed and why we failed. And we'll talk about when we've been successful and how we've been successful. And thus began the Good Report Club of Passaic, New Jersey, or Wayne, New Jersey. I took the pledge. I pledged, I will only give a good report about people. I will not give an evil report. Now, have I always done that? No. But that is, that has become a core value within me. And when you violate core values, it hurts, and you know it hurts. And and when I've not kept my core value of giving a good report, I've hurt. And I've known it. And I've said, Lord, that was wrong. I should not have said that about that person. 
I will only give a good report. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand right now, but how many of you would like to take the pledge this morning? I will only give a good report. Yeah. I will not give an evil report, whether it be a believer, a non-believer, work, home, family, whatever. I will only give a good report. I will not give an evil report. And when I do, I will acknowledge it as sin, and I will repent. I will turn around, and and I will allow God to change me. I have some affirmations this morning because this spirit, of this critical spirit is so, so important. I, I, I worked on some affirmations and these will be on your sheet as well when you get your sheet after the service. These affirmations are in line with God's truth and they're opposite of, of Satan's lies. Affirmation number one, I will be patient and forbearing with the weaknesses of others. Number two, I will guard myself against speaking harshly or critically to my spouse and my children. Number three, I will not take or carry offenses for myself or for others. When there's a need to discuss differences, I will communicate in humility and speak the truth in love. I will offer my opinion when asked and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I will trust God to lead those in authority over me And I will give them my support and my cooperation and extend unlimited grace to them as needed. I will lead others in an understanding and patient manner. I will look for practical ways to compensate for the weaknesses of others. When someone accuses or criticizes me, I will respond with humility and an open mind. I will not respond defensively. When I I feel someone is attacking me personally, I will choose to look at the situation through spiritual eyes and be alert for schemes of the enemy. I will be vigilant in guarding both my marriage and my children against any critical spirits in our midst. I will make it a high priority to work to preserve unity in my family, with my friends, in my church, with other Christians, and with all the people God brings in my life. And finally, I will only give a good report when speaking of someone not present.
Let me encourage you to, when you get those papers with the lies of Satan and today with the affirmations of God on them, use them during the week. Um, Use them for discussion starters, you know, at the dinner table. Or share them with other people. number of people I know I've shared how they're using them to, to root out the lies of Satan and strongholds in their own lives. You know, God can use them as we minister even beyond ourselves. Again, this particular area of a critical spirit is probably one of the most crucial areas of our life. It can cause us (coughs) to be damaging to the reputation of Christ or it can cause us to be someone who people want to look up to and say, you know, that person is different from everybody else out there. Because you know what? The world is tearing people down. The church should never. We should be different from the world. I'm going to give you a chance to talk to God. (coughs) Again, whatever he's talking